Hey, welcome to the Accidental Gods podcast. To the place where we believe that another world is still possible. And that together we can make it happen. I'm Manda Scott, and I spent the first series of this podcast outlining our thinking around conscious evolution. Why it's ready to happen, and how we can make it happen, all of us, individually and collectively. In this second series, we've been talking to the people who are already working in the areas that will bring us closer to the emergence from complexity that we need. But this week, we're back to me. We're in the midst of a global pandemic, I'm sure you've noticed. And now, more than ever, is a time where the structures of late-stage, neoliberal capitalism are being stress-tested as near to destruction as they can get without actually collapsing. And that means it's also a time when we can explore the alternatives. So I want to talk about that. Particularly, I want to talk about resilience. Our own personal, emotional, psychological and spiritual resilience. And then that of our communities. Because we have three interlocking crises at work now. We have the climate emergency, we have the ecological emergency, what George Monbiot calls the first mass extermination, but generally speaking is called the sixth mass extinction. And now we are beginning to see the resilience emergency that has been there underlying, but has not been as obvious. All three of these have a common root in our disconnection with ourselves, with each other, and with the web of life around the world. With our lack of meaning, we don't know what we're here for, either as individuals or as a collective community, other than trying endlessly to fill the great aching void in our souls that can never be filled, however much stuff we throw into it. But we still try. And here we are, in a world that may be on the edge of chaos and extinction, but is also potentially on the edge of a change so radical that we can't predict where it's going. This is the premise of Accidental Gods, and if this is the first time you're hearing this idea, I really recommend you go back to the first podcast and the ones that followed immediately after it, where we laid out the premise in detail, together with the ways we think that we can begin to heal, become whole, change ourselves and the world. And healing the resilience crisis is a key part of this. Resilience in any living system is defined as the ability to return to homeostasis after a destabilizing shock. Or, in less biocentric terms, it's our ability to keep ourselves up and running when the supermarkets are empty and the roads are scarily quiet. It's our ability to come back to our own internal baselines, and then to help the community around us also to come back to internal and external baselines. So that's the key, how well we return to whatever our baselines are and the amount of time it takes, how fast or how slow we can do it. In the external world, our absolute baselines are food, water, and power. So we need to be able to feed ourselves, we need to be able to drink, 
and we need the absolute basics to keep that going. These are the external, existential requirements. If we can't find food and water, everything else is academic. If we can find those, then we want to look at shelter, warmth, transport, communication, and our community's emotional, spiritual, and psychological well-being. Because these are almost as important as food and water. And internally, they are the baseline that we need to return to. And that's why I want to look at internal resilience first. Our own spiritual, emotional and psychological well-being is under our own control. It's not about growing food, it's not about collecting water, it's about how we choose how to feel. And this is the framework that shapes who we are and how we behave. It's the internal dynamic that decides if we're the ones who are fighting in the supermarket aisles for the last packet of toilet rolls, or we're the ones sharing the viral kindness hashtag and going out to help our neighbours. And maybe we're both of these. And maybe we want to be neither, or something more, or something different. We want to be able to shape our internal structures to decide if we're waking up each morning with joyful curiosity, looking forward to the experience of the day ahead, or if we're waking up with fear and dread and a sense of impending doom and the weight of responsibility of looking after ourselves and our families and all of those who depend on us. Our ability to be flexible in this, to be fluid in our sense of self, is the one that defines whether we can change those internal modalities, so that even if we wake up with the terror and the doom and the sense of the weight of our own responsibilities, we can begin to shift that to something more generative, out of which a new reality can grow. And yes, if you're a long-time listener to this podcast, this may begin to feel somewhat familiar, because at the heart of what we're doing in Accidental Gods is the reawakening into our connection with the more-than-human world, and we can only do that when we're heart-open. And heart-opening requires that we come to understand our own agency in this, that we can choose to open our own heart. We don't have to let the world close them for us. And so now, in this time when the world is falling apart, we may find that we have more personal time to give to this. Falling apart is also slowing down. It's giving us the time to think, to be, to choose what we do moment by moment. So I'd like to remind you of the flow from attitude to mood to temperament to personality trait, where our attitudes are like a spring shower that flows through and goes away again, and our moods are more like the underlying weather for this week or this month, and our temperaments are like the seasons changing more slowly over time, and our personality traits are the climate, which is changing faster now than it was. And we can change our own climates, our own personality traits, by slowly and steadily and continuously changing 
our attitudes. And that means not just our head-mind attitudes of, I am choosing not to let politician X drive me to distraction with the banality of the statements around what's happening. Or I'm choosing not to engage in the panic-buying frenzy. This is more, I'm choosing when I wake to lie still for as long as it takes really to light the spark of gratitude or wonder or joy or compassion in my heart space and let it grow until I can feel my heart as something bigger and warmer and more zingy and more alive until I can feel joy radiating out around me and when I know that feeling, when I can get up and move into the flow of my day and know that I can reach for it again because it's familiar, because what fires together wires together and I've fired it together enough that something has wired that I can reach for again. And then I can set up triggers, environmental cues if you're into behavioural studies, that will rekindle that spark so that every time I turn on a tap and connect to the water, which is familiar if you're a member of the Accidental Cods portal, but you can do it even if you haven't spent weeks listening to the visualisations. Every time you turn on a tap, connect to the water, because water is life. Or every time you see the sun, or just see light glinting off a leaf, connect to the fire of the sun and the life that that brings. Just at the moment, I'm using walking up the stairs as a trigger. We live in a really old cottage with very very steep old cottage stairs and we lived for about a year with no carpets and then the day we put them back and I walked up and I felt the carpet under my bare feet and the softness of it and it was amazing and I just felt that little zing of oh yay carpets and I remembered it and I stored it and so now every time I walk up the stairs which is quite a lot because I work from home I feel the joy of walking up the stairs and feeling it under my feet. And I spend the next few minutes letting it grow and consciously sending that out into my local area, into the village, into the whole of my county, into this country, this nation, around the world. Because I think we need more of that just now. Because these are small things, but the sum total of small things done again and again is huge in terms of how it shifts the dynamic not just of my day, but potentially of the days of those around me. And then the sum total of those shifts in how they shift the world could be totally transformative. Because we live in a world that is shutting us down. I don't know if it's deliberate or accidental, but the way we live at the moment, the constant chasing After survival, the constant fear is shutting down the bits of our brains that we need to explore new possibilities. I just spent a morning recording a podcast with Rob Hopkins, who wrote the book From What Is to What If. I really hope to bring that to you, but I am deeply afraid that the sound quality is just not going to work. So, in case it doesn't, please read his book anyway, From What Is to What If, if you have any time at all. It's the first one to reach for. But the core of it is that climate change, the ecological disaster, the resilience emergency we're in at the moment, 
are all failures of the imagination. Collectively and individually, we're not creating the futures that we need to live into. We can't go to a place that we can't see. We need to be able to build at least a bit of a path towards that final emergence into, yes, a thing that we can't see. But let's assume that we have to have lived differently. We have to be the best that we can be in order to, for that to be the launchpad into the emergence from our complex system. And we can't do that if our imaginations have been crushed. And what Rob identifies is that the hippocampus, I get to geek out on neuroscience again, the hippocampus is that little bit like a seahorse right in the centre of our brains. And it turns out it's essential for us to be imaginal beings. It's essential for us to be able to imagine a flourishing, generative future. And when we're under constant cortisol stress, when we are on that hamster wheel of having to keep making money in order to pay the rent or the mortgage, in order to keep our heads above water of this extractive, constantly destructive ecological system, our hippocampus shrinks. It shuts down when we're in stress. It means we can't imagine the better, more beautiful worlds that our hearts know is possible. And yet, if we step off the treadmill, if we give ourselves just a moment of internal peace, if we can find our baseline, we can begin to let our hippocampus grow again. And then we can begin to imagine more freely. So I am thinking now, at a time when the streets are really quite scarily quiet, when the supermarket shelves are empty, when we're having to stay at home, when the skies over Wuhan are turning blue again, instead of the constant industrial smog grey. Yes, all of these can be turned into clichés and cute Facebook memes. Of course they can. But this could be the time when we sow the seeds of change that means that this disaster doesn't see us sleepwalk back to where we came from. We could imagine something new now. We could step off into a generative, flourishing world where we come alive, where our imaginations are free to flourish. In Rob's book, a transition activist and artist, Lucy Neal, says, Joy is a radical force because it connects us all to life and life is enthusiastic for life. She says we'll all be on the right path when we wake every morning in joyful anticipation of the day ahead, wondering what life brings. And for those of you who are in the early stages of the Accidental Gods membership program, when I wanted us all to wake and evoke joyful anticipation, when I hadn't realised how hard it was to do that, I hadn't read Rob's book then, I promise you. So this is a general idea, and it's a really good idea. But I am realising now how much harder it is for us to evoke the good feelings when we wake crushed by the dread and the gloom and the sense of responsibility for the day that has been inculcated in us since childhood, crushing our little hippocampuses into something that doesn't have the space to breathe and to give us the new futures 
that we want. So now I want to take another leaf out of Rob's book and suggest that we play the games of what if. The rules of the generative game, the new what if game, are that you're only allowed to answer your original what if, dot dot dot, with another what if, or with a yes and. Okay, so no yes buts. We are full of yes buts. So take some time out for yourself today, however you can, whenever you can, walking, sitting, lying, and really let yourself imagine what if I were to wake up with a sense of joyful anticipation of the day ahead? What would the world feel like? How would I feel? How would I feel inside? How would I feel emotionally? How would I feel physically? What parts of me would be more alive? Where would I zing? Where would my mental freedoms come alive? When I do this, and I am using myself as an experiment, I'm finding that there are walls in my brain, the yes but walls, that I don't realise are there until I really ask them to dissolve. And they do react. The yes buts of the responsibilities of the day are huge. And I have huge privilege. I work from home. I live on a small holding. Most of my yes buts are to do with the land and this podcast and everything to do with accidental gods and and writing another book and things that people would give their eye teeth to do. And so that's one of the ways that I'm finding I can relax my walls, my internal boundaries, is by stepping outside of myself and describing the life that I have as if someone else were describing it. Because when I do that, I recognise the extraordinary privilege. And when I just wake and let the day unfold, I am crushed by the weight of things that other people would give their eye teeth for. So I'm inviting you, whatever the state of your world, to endeavour to find a place inside where there is a sense of joyful anticipation. And if that's too hard, find gratitude, find wonder or awe, find compassion, find one of the really core generative feelings and see what does it take to get that to grow. Does it take going through a day and watching yourself for the times when there is a moment of joy, the walking up the stairs, or for me, seeing a red kite over a hill, or watching a sunset? or playing with the dog. For you it might be the hug of a child, or meeting a friend in the street, or just sharing a moment with your partner, or opening the curtains and seeing the sun for the first time in a week. Whatever it is that sparks something, however faint, however fleeting, don't grasp it, but remember it. Store that feeling, so that when you wake the next morning, tomorrow morning, Just for a moment, play the what-if game. What if I woke and the world were an exciting place that was bringing challenges that would stretch me and leave me a new and different and grander person? How would that feel? Because this is the beginnings of what takes us towards internal resilience, towards finding those baselines from which we can stretch and grow from which we can begin to become the best of ourselves. Because the world needs this now. 
if we don't take this utter calamity and turn it into the first seed of something new, if we let ourselves sleepwalk back into the world where we're all hamsters on the wheel of somebody else's profits, then I think we are going to crash into the chaos and extinction. So I really would encourage you, invite you, inspire you, I hope, to let this be a moment of change. Find out how would the world be if you woke up every morning with a sense of anticipation, looking forward to what the day brings. What does it take to get there? Really, what does it take? Not winning the lottery, or being given the perfect job, or meeting the perfect partner. But inside, what switches could you flip, just for a moment or two to make that shift? If you're having trouble with this, we do have a couple of meditations on the website that are designed really to help you make the shift to this. I will link to them in the show notes. So that's the first bit of our resilience. Setting our own internal weather, finding those bits of joy so we can set our seasons, to set our climate, and knowing that we have agency and choice in how we feel through the day. That's the first part in coming back to our baseline. And then I want to explore a little bit more deeply one of the other things that we touched on in the potentially lost Rob Hopkins podcast. It doesn't matter. If it isn't lost and we do it again, you get to hear this again. That's just fine. Because his take-home message was that climate change, the sixth mass extinction, the resilience emergency that we're in, these are all faults of our imagination. We are where we are because we can't collectively imagine anything different. And I want then to be able to look at what can we do about freeing up our imaginations so that we can begin collectively to create a different future. So one thing is to change our internal weather so that we have a sense of the world opening up. That really is key. But as we're doing that, as we're working day by day to change that, there are other things that we can do to halt the impact of what Rob calls, and I am paraphrasing here, the neoliberal disimagination machine that is run and perpetuated by people who went through a school system that is explicitly designed to destroy our imaginations. We had quite a bit of a chat about whether this is deliberate or accidental, and to be honest, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that the hierarchy that sets our agendas for us is terrifyingly limited in its own imagination. Our media system, our political system, the hierarchy of the system that runs us is run by people who went through the public school system, and they are deeply broken people. And that's incredibly sad, and we can have huge compassion for the trauma that stripped them of the capacity to imagine anything different. And we need to do that. This is not about shame and blame. But it is about recognising that the rules that we have been set, the boundaries that constrict us, do not have to be there. We can overstep these. We can change the way that we think, 
the way that we feel, the way that we do things. So one of the things that we need to know is that our ability to imagine differently is being progressively destroyed as our attentions are being caught by other things. Broadly, if we have the attention span of a gnat, we are not able to be creative. And our attention span has been terrifyingly shrunk in the last few years. So one of the absolute keys to freeing up our creativity is to get off social media and Netflix. Neither of these requires any kind of imagination in our participation. So we need to switch off the phone and do something that exercises our hippocampuses or hippocampi, I'm not sure. We need to write or paint or draw or make music or sing or throw pots or whittle bits of stick or go out and play with the dog or read a book. That is a huge co-creation in ways that watching television can never be. When I write, I take the, the many dimensions of a story inside my head and I make black marks on white paper. And you pick up those black marks on white paper or a white screen and you make a story in your head that may look and feel and taste and smell totally different to the one that was in my head. How often have you seen the film of a book that you loved and it's just been wrong? Because the living, breathing world in your head was completely different to the one in the creative heads of the people who made it. So reading is creative. But so is walking outside. Find a tree, lean against it and look up through the leaves and let your mind soar free. And ask yourself the what-if questions and play with the answers. What if we didn't have to work? What if we lived in the same kind of interdependent, really compassionate, threaded, woven communities that our most ancient ancestors lived in? What if we lived in that, but with modern technology, so that we could grow things vertically in our cities, and we could share ideas with people from across the world? If it helps to give yourself some boundaries, do that. Rob says if you ask most people to sit down and tell a story, they get lost. But if you ask them to tell the story of the otter that spends her time pulling the bits of plastic out of the river so that her friends don't have to swim round them, and then one day she finds something, fill in the blank, then people are off and running. So I invite you to tell that story. Give yourself the same strictures as before. If you start with a what if, you can only answer it with another what if or a yes and. Rob did this with the clothing company Patagonia, who are already really sustainable. But they had some time away in the wilderness, asking the question, what if we really responded to the climate emergency as if it were an emergency now? And they gave themselves those same strictures, only answer with what if or yes and. And they came back with ideas that are being worked on as we speak. So go out, play games, play games with each other, play games with yourself. Ask those questions, the what if questions. What if the world were not as it is? What if our communities could grow enough food to feed everybody? What would that look like? What if we could make all our own power and didn't need the big power companies 
or if we didn't need to burn any fossil fuels? What if all the fossil fuel companies stopped tomorrow? What if all the big banks went down and we just created our own internal lending? What if we had our own currency? What if our own currency was based on doing things for other people? Or if we all had solar panels on our roofs and we created currency by the amount of sun that fell on them? What if we shared stuff? What if our world was not limited by making money and distributing it unevenly? What if we could make the world a generative, regenerative place where everyone, human and non-human, could flourish? What would that look like? So those are the two things. The ability to take agency for how we feel and the ability to imagine a new future. To do that for ourselves and to do that for our communities. This is the beginnings of our internal and our community resilience. I've talked enough for now. I'm going to do another podcast on community resilience, on really building local resilience networks around food and water and power, and then around transport and communication and housing and shelter and warmth and all the things that we do need to build. But I'll do that in the next podcast. You've had enough for now. In the meantime, stay well, stay whole. If you find you have more space and time in your life, please use it wisely. Reawaken your connection to the natural world, to the web of life. Grow into greater internal coherence. Imagine a world where everyone and everything flourishes. And then let's see what we can do to make it happen. For now, thanks to Caro C, as ever, for the music at the head and foot of the podcast and for the sound production. Thanks to Faith Tillery for designing the website and for being the other half of the creative team that is Accidental Gods. And thanks, as always, to you for listening. We really wouldn't be here without you. And if you want to visit the website that Faith has designed, if you want to know more, if you want to see the show notes, if you want to join the membership programme, we're at accidentalgods.life. If you like what you're hearing, please do subscribe. It's how we know that you're there. Five stars and a review on the podcast app of your choice helps Google to know that we're here. But really, if we're going to grow, we are going to do it by word of mouth. So tell your friends, tell your family, Tell the people you're keeping careful social distance from. Tell anyone that you think wants the world to be a more generative, beautiful place. There is a more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. We can make it happen. See you next time. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.